think it is a, a great jumping off point uh, for the things that we're going to need in the state in the future. The rate increases on, on non-voting citizens in some areas are just ridiculous. The overwhelming majority of cases will involve situations where the preservation of evidence, the sanctity of, of one's privacy actually. From the fourth floor of the Capitol Rotunda, you're listening to WFSU Public Media's Capitol Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Among today's Capitol action, a bill to address the state's growing doctor shortage has cleared its final House committee. Regan McCarthy reports the measure is a priority for Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo. As lawmakers prepared to vote, many praised Pasadomo for her leadership on the issue. Here's House Health and Human Services Chair Randy Fine. There's lots of things she could have chosen to prioritize in her second year in the chamber, and I think we all owe her a great deal of gratitude that she chose to prioritize this. Fine calls the comprehensive package 100 bills in one. The measure aims to grow the state's health care workforce by creating new residency slots, offering increased access to student loan programs, and making it easier for doctors from out of the state and out of the country to work in Florida. Port Charlotte Republican Representative Michael Gant is carrying the bill in the House. He says it's not perfect, but it's a good start. There are things in here that we all would like to change, but this is a, a process uh, that we all go through with all our bills. Uh, there are good parts of some bills, and, and we love them to death, and then there's parts that we think we could, we could make a little bit better. Um, because I'm termed out, this is the product that we have in front of us. I think it is a, a great jumping off point uh, for the things that we're going to need in the state in the future. Gant says something he would have liked to add to the bill is a scholarship to encourage med students coming from disadvantaged areas. Meanwhile, Democrats continue to raise concerns that neither the House nor the Senate version expands Medicaid eligibility. Medicaid is a state and federally funded health insurance program for low-income individuals. The fight to expand it has been years long, and Pasadomo kicked this session off by saying revisiting those talks is a no-go in her chamber. I understand the arguments both for and against. We've had the debate several times over the last decade. Medicaid expansion is not going to happen in Florida. Pasadomo says the problem Floridians are facing now is that there aren't enough doctors to see everyone who needs an appointment, regardless of whether they have insurance. I'm Regan McCarthy. Florida's city and county-run utilities could be limited in the amount of money they can transfer to their general revenue funds. Under a bill moving in the legislature, transfers from a municipal utility to its general fund would be capped. We get more on that story from Margie Menzel. Backers of House Bill 1277 say they're concerned about residents who live outside city limits but are customers of the city's utilities. They say those customers can be forced to pay surcharges but can't vote for the municipal officials who make those policies. Republican Representative Demi Basada Cabrera of Coral Gables calls this taxation without representation. Her bill would change that. It provides that a municipality that generates revenue from the provision of utility may not use more than 10% of the gross revenues generated from such services to fund or finance general government functions. It also would require a public meeting in the service area before policies affecting customers outside the municipal boundaries could be put into effect. 
Last year, Busada Cabrera co-sponsored a similar bill that died in committee. This year, it's doing better. A number of entities opposed the bill, including the Florida League of Cities, several individual cities, and Earth Justice. House Commerce Committee Chair Bob Rommel, a Naples Republican, noted the unbroken lineup. Congratulations, you had everybody waving up as a shot. <laughs> Ryan Matthews spoke for the Florida Municipal Electric Association, also in opposition. For instance, the 33 municipal electric utilities throughout the state provide affordable and reliable low-cost power to over 4 million Floridians. Municipalities have invested billions of dollars to provide water, wastewater, natural gas, and electric services. One good example of this is the city of Tampa, who recently has pledged $3 billion to implement a water and wastewater pipe renovation program. But Republican Representative Mike G. Lombardo of Cape Coral praised Busada Cabrera for her persistence in adapting the bill to other members' concerns this year. The issue that we're trying to address is to ensure that all the, these municipal utilities, they do provide services outside. The, the rate increases on, on non-voting citizens in some areas are just ridiculous. In closing, Basada Cabrera said municipal governments will still have authority over their general revenue funds within their own boundaries. It does not limit how much they can transfer into GR from what they gain within their municipal boundary. It only limits it for those who are beyond their municipal boundary that don't have a voice, that don't have a seat at the table, that can't vote for them. HB 1277 has cleared three committees and now heads for the House floor. A similar bill in the Senate, SB 1510 by Republican Senator Jason Broder of Lake Mary, hasn't faced any committees. I'm Margie Menzel. The Florida Senate has unanimously passed a bill making it illegal to mouth off to police and other first responders on the job. Tristan Wood reports the lawmakers say the measure is meant to give first responders more space to respond to crimes and disasters. Under the bill, people can get arrested for harassing a first responder if they are within 14 feet and have been given a warning. It defines harassment as trying to cause, quote, substantial emotional distress. Violators could be arrested and charged with a misdemeanor. The bill received no criticism from lawmakers on the Senate floor. Kissimmee Democratic Senator Victor Torres, a former police officer, says the proposal is necessary for first responders to do their work. There's so, ma so many moving parts in the location and we need to give the first responders, officers, and paramedics the space they need to do their work, do their job. While senators only gave praise to the bill, several advocacy groups levied criticism at it throughout the legislative process. Their main concern is the law is vague on what harassment actually means, opening it up for abuse from law enforcement. Abdila Skier of the ACLU of Florida raised constitutional concerns about limiting the speech of bystanders. Denying citizens the right to oversee and scrutinize the work of public officials is, is an attempt to silence and criminalize those who speak up for what they believe is right, which is a core aspect of our democracy. The measure does not stop people from recording public interactions. On the Senate floor, Hollywood Democratic Senator Jason Pizzo seemingly responded to some of those concerns. He says the bill will help in the majority of cases that first responders work on. We may reflexively think to or, or jump to horrible situations that, that 
murder of George Floyd and, and those situations, but the overwhelming majority of cases will involve situations where the preservation of evidence, the sanctity of, of one's privacy, actually. The House version of the bill is identical. It needs to pass a full House vote before going to Governor Ron DeSantis's desk. I'm Tristan Wood. While we're on the subject of uh, law enforcement, two Florida sheriff's deputies fired more than a dozen semi-automatic gunshots toward a handcuffed suspect back in November. WMNF Sean Canan reports the incident was triggered not by an actual threat, but rather by the sound of an acorn hitting an Okaloosa County Sheriff's patrol car. Body cam video posted on the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office Facebook page this month shows the incident near Fort Walton Beach. Shots fired! That sound from the body camera of Deputy Jesse Hernandez, who resigned in December. In the video, he drops to the ground and fires about a dozen rounds at the patrol car where the suspect is handcuffed in the back seat. Deputy Hernandez shouts at his supervisor, Sergeant Beth Roberts, that he had been shot through the car. She also fires shots toward the patrol car. Later, Hernandez said he might have been hit in the vest. After the incident, Hernandez spoke with a deputy who had arrived. Do you see anything on my vest? Or did you feel anything? My legs went numb when it okay. hit me. All right, all right. I don't know. My legs went numb for a second. I heard a pop come from... Go this way. Can you move? Yeah. According to a 44-page internal investigation by Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office Professional Standards, Deputy Jesse Hernandez's use of deadly force was not objectively reasonable. It found that Sergeant Roberts' actions were reasonable. In a video posted to YouTube this month, Okaloosa Sheriff Eric Aiden said his department let the public down by putting the suspect in danger. We're actually going to use this particular case as training for the rest of our staff as a potential thing that we need to watch out for to make sure that we never put someone's life in jeopardy again. The handcuffed suspect was not injured. The Sheriff's Office investigation found that as Deputy Hernandez was approaching the passenger side rear door of his patrol vehicle, an acorn can be seen striking the top of his vehicle. According to the report, 1.1 seconds later, Deputy Hernandez had fallen to the ground and yelled, shots fired. An independent review by the First Judicial Circuit State Attorney's Office found no probable cause for criminal charges against Hernandez. I'm Sean Canan in Tampa. Our regular Capitol Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Gina Jordan, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, Margie Menzel, and Tristan Wood. Thanks also to Sean Canan. Shows are available Monday through Thursday by 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, wherever you get your podcasts. On many of these Florida public radio stations, you can tune in each Friday to catch the latest on all things happening at the Capitol. That show's also available in podcast form. Technical assistance comes from Taylor Cox, and I'm Tom Flanagan. This is Capitol Report, the podcast from WFSU Public Media.